Hi everyone, long time no podcast. I'm just going to do a quick one today while I still have a little bit of time. It's been really hard to get motivated to like record and have a topic and being that I have ADHD, I need to have a topic at the time that I have to record one or I have absolutely no motivation to do a podcast because I just can't think of enough stuff to say if I'm not like motivated and have inspiration and I'm into it. So anyways, that's why I can't really pick set days for my podcast. So I appreciate the fact that people still like the podcast when they're here and when I post them and don't um, expect them to be on set days and whatnot, or over, like, a certain number of, of podcasts being posted per month, and so on and so forth. Um, for today's podcast, I'm gonna kind of talk about a mishmash of things. Um, I wanted to start off today's podcast just kind of talking about the culture surrounding horse training and some of the concerns that I've had, I have about it. Um, I've talked about this in some other podcasts as well, so there might be some stuff that's a little bit repetitive, but, the inspiration for today's episode in terms of like this topic that I'm going to be touching on is in reference to that recent video that went viral of a racehorse trainer named Amber Cobb um, beating her two-year-old racehorse that she had in training with a pitchfork while it was tied to a wall in a stall. Um, The video you can look up and find online however I would not recommend watching it if that's something that would bother you because it is pretty horrible and the, the horse does fall down and it does go into tonic immobility well tied and someone does need to like come in and unsnap it loose so it can get up it was awful um but the reason why I want to bring that incident up in particular is because I think basically any horse person that you talk to worth their salt even people that train with harsher training methods than some might view as acceptable if you show them that video they'd probably have a problem with it and they'd probably label it as abuse and they would probably say that it's bad training but I was kind of thinking about it and The type of culture that feeds into someone like Amber Cobb even thinking behaving in such a manner is okay is largely condoned by people who would look at that video and go, this is so awful. And what I mean by that is... Like, for example, this morning on OTTB Connect, which for those of you who don't know, that's a Facebook group um, with like 70,000 people in it, specifically for off the track thoroughbreds and all that jazz. I saw a post there this morning of this lady that had posted saying like, hey, um, my thoroughbred is quite nippy and bitey, especially during grooming. And um, I've had him since like November of last year and have been working hard on trying to resolve this and I don't want to use punishment to fix it and of course like a large majority of the comments were saying that you need to put a horse in their place and that they need to know um like how they need to behave around people that it's not safe that she's putting him at risk welfare wise if she lets him do it um that biting is completely unacceptable and should be reprimanded immediately and that it's not a bad thing to get after your horse and that being too soft is like an epidemic in the horse world and so on and so forth just kind of the general gist of it was people being very much pro punishment and being like hit him for biting um and the vast majority of people giving that advice failed to acknowledge the fact that the horse could have ulcers or some other physical issue that is causing him to react outwardly in that manner. They, The vast majority of people suggesting punishment as the solution didn't identify that stuff. Um, and the reason why I want to bring this up is because people that will encourage other horse people to hit their horses... At its core, all punishment does is punish the behavior that the horse is showing you. It does not 
solve the reason behind the behavior. So what that means is if your punishment is your core training method for getting rid of a certain behavior, you are a fool because if you don't deal with the cause of the behavior and rectify that, all you're teaching your horse to do is either to hide their communication until one day eventually it's too much and they can't anymore and that's when you get these big reactions where the horse explodes seemingly out of nowhere when it's not actually out of nowhere you've just discouraged them from communicating with you and caused them to get more and more less obvious signals of their stress or discomfort because if they have the outwardly loud ones they get hit and punished for them um so you get you get a horse that will explode out of nowhere or they will find a different behavior that serves the same person purpose as the one that they adopted initially but then got punished for. So what this means is they're going to just keep trialing different behaviors of trying to cope with the discomfort and whatever is going on relating to like what making them want to bite or whatever the behavior is. So the problem with punishment is that first of all it should not never be something that people recommend as the first course of action because it does nothing to look into the why behind the existence of the behavior which means it's not actually training and I want to like just kind of I'm going to backpedal a little bit just to point out the fact that punishment is one of the most heavily studied forms of training and they've even studied the effect of punishment on humans and overwhelmingly so both in humans and other animals they have found that punishment increases reactivity aggression and oftentimes when frequently used repetitively as a form of training it has way more bad things come about because of it than good but the problem with the horse culture today is people will look at punishment and they will think that it solves a lot of problems um, because they'll see like, oh, I hit my horse a bunch of times and then he stopped biting me. But they won't see, now my horse grinds his teeth or now my horse sits there being really stressed and in just tension as I groom them, not being able to move, not enjoying themselves. And all of these things could contribute to them developing ulcers and other stress behaviors and so on and so forth. And also what people fail to recognize is the vast majority of horses that you see that are exceptionally dangerous are not coming from people who are correctly applying positive reinforcement. Um, that is such a myth. It is completely untrue. As someone who specializes in dealing with problem horses and horses coming off of the racetrack, consistently the most dangerous horses I get are the ones that have been handled by people who try to over muscle them who try to bully them into place and who do things to try to be like the alpha horse in the herd with the intention of dominating the horse and basically forcing them into submission through fear um those horses always are the most dangerous because even if they're not aggressive they tend to be more unpredictable they're more spooky they're more reactive and they have lesser rhyme or reason to their reactions because they're always in such a high state of stress compared to horses who've not had to put up with those methods that it takes a lot less to set them off or they'll just kind of behave erratically because they'll be on edge all the time and confused or they'll be worrying about making the wrong decision and on top of that even if the horse is seemingly quiet and calm and doesn't do anything wrong in that regard this is a study phenomenon too feel free to go look it up i don't know the specific names of the studies because again the punishment studies have been done so many times over and over again with horses as well as many many other animals and people but the whole thing about punishment which again this has been something that has also been discovered in humans and this is why they discourage punishment when raising children or teaching people in school um, and that is when someone is punished or made to feel bad or 
or ridiculed or hurt because they do something. And obviously a horse isn't going to feel ridiculed because they don't have the same level of um, thinking and comprehension as a person does. But what I'm meaning by that is even in reference to people, if you make someone feel ashamed of a mistake and embarrassed and just feel like absolute garbage, they're going to be way more afraid to seek out help and ask for help in the future. And they're also going to be more afraid to volunteer information in the future, even if they're absolutely right and have the correct answer. And this is the same with animals. If you punish the wrong behavior and do that as your main form of training instead of showing them what the correct behaviors are and rewarding those you're going to create an animal that will be scared to trial new behaviors because there's a risk of being punished for them if they pick the wrong one and this is why punishment as a main form of training isn't great and I'll fully admit, when I grew up riding horses, I was frequently taught to punish them. I had trainers that would teach me to kick them in the gut, to slap them in the face for biting. I even had a woman, when I first got Milo, recommend that I hold a nail with the pointy side sticking out so that if he tried to turn and bite me, that he'd prick himself. We never did that because I thought that was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard, even though I hadn't gone as gung-ho with the positive reinforcement stuff as I have now. But what I'm saying is that this is like a culture that is taught to children when they're first getting into riding. It's something that is so ingrained in horse culture that even the lower forms of punishment, they're kind of written off as not a problem because like there's very few animals, honestly, that you can go to and be in a very public place and just be laying into them, shouting at them and being very aggressive towards them and have people justify it. But with livestock, and like horses and stuff people will justify the mistreatment of them because there's this notion that they're like less intelligent or that they can't feel it or that their skin's thicker or because they kick each other in a herd that it's okay um and all of those things come from such a misunderstanding of the horse and how they actually function in a herd setting and that's why it's such a frustrating thing for me now that I've done all this behavioral education and spent so many hours just watching horses and applying what I see to my education and using my education to better understand what I'm seeing. And the fact of the matter is, even with like the scholarly doctor people that are doing all the equine behavior studies that are way more educated than me or you, any of you watching this, unless you are in fact one of them, because these people have dedicated their entire lives to watching huge sample sizes of horses and how they interact with each other. Um, but even that aside, as someone that watches horses in a herd setting, um, frequently, like daily, basically. Um, what people don't realize is that while horses will kick or bite at each other as a warning, they don't realize how often they're just actually warning, like pinning their ears, lifting a leg, doing stuff to increase space between them and the other horses when they don't like what's happening, but without there ever actually being punishment. It's just a warning. And the other thing is that even when they do punish each other, technically like a kick is technically punishment yes they're communicating with each other using body language and intricacies that people cannot understand or replicate horses know we are not horses never will they ever view how we behave as one within the herd so using the herd as a justification for your punishment of a horse is ignorant and it has no scientific merit um, and I just also want to go back to say that, like, I grew up being taught how to use, like, excessive pressure and punishment and very much, like, learning to take out my anger and discipline the horse for silly things that would oftentimes be fear behaviors or behaviors due to confusion because I was giving incorrect aids and so on and so forth. And it was very much encouraged. It was modeled by my trainers, people around the barn, people at shows, and basically any of the role models that I would have seen, which caused it to be normalized. So 
I went from being a kid that loved horses to death, that, like, lived, slept, eat, and breeds horses, played with, like, briar horses, was obsessed with them, and would have never, ever wanted to hurt a horse, and even initially, I was not comfortable with this stuff, and it's not, it's something that you have to gradually get a child warmed up to wanting to, like, even do comfortably, because their natural instinct is not to be rough with these animals, but, it's so normalized in our culture that it's kind of scary because you see this indoctrination happening from such a young age that you don't start to realize how abnormal it is until you're really like have kind of an epiphany moment if you're someone like me who has just grown up having it be so normalized and for me that epiphany moment was getting milo because we very quickly realized hey like if you use too much pressure and punishment on this horse he is going to fucking kill you you can't do that he knows his rights and he will enforce his rights and having a horse like that forced me to think outside of the box and it wasn't until i actually started seeking out the equine sciences education and equine behavioral education that I actually even realized that there was a positive reinforcement community because it's that uncommon and that hard to find on a local scale until fairly recently. Like there are still, um, the vast majority of trainers are people using traditional methods and very much like pressure and release punishment based methods. But there's more people that are opening up to the idea of positive reinforcement in their training programs. But with that said, it's definitely not the norm whatsoever. I am still very much like I have people that will very readily condescend me when they hear that I use food to train my horses until they actually see the results themselves. And that's kind of where I've started to get a little bit more respect now is like, especially at the race track I find that a lot of people like it's hit or miss they're either very traditional or there's a lot of very progressive people but I had people who would make fun of me for like giving horses cookies and they're like oh you're just gonna like kiss them and whisper in their ear and give them a cookie and just hope that they listen and it and then they realize when they see horses that they used to work with but that were notoriously difficult at the track that I am now doing lots of different stuff with without issue and having them be safe for beginners and so on and so forth they'll see stuff like that and that shuts them up pretty quick but I found for most people it's a thing where they have to see it to believe it and a lot of people are very defensive and anti-change and I say this as someone who was that way um and honestly like unlearning the level of aggression and like impatience that was normalized throughout my entire childhood learning to ride horses and throughout like my formative years as like a teenager and throughout most of my um career like showing and stuff like predominant like more of my time as an equestrian has been spent being like that than it has kind of softening my methods and learning how to kind of take a step back but what I want to what I'm trying to get at is that like just like we see with horses you can train a certain reaction so if you teach a horse that you're going to hit them and be rough on them and that they're going to get in trouble for every little thing and not be caught a break you're going to create a reactive horse that will start to react to things that seem like tiny little things they shouldn't be afraid of and similarly if you teach children from a young age that it's okay to take out their frustration and anger on their horses and that for any behavior the horse offers them that they don't like that you need to put the horse in their place to discourage the behavior instead of kind of stopping for a second and saying why did they do that behavior what's the reason behind it and kind of trying to figure out what the behavior serves for them so that you can find a way to resolve the behavior 
um, and train them better. But when you teach kids that it's okay to take their frustration out on their horse or that if they're bitten or if their horse does anything to kind of scare or potentially hurt or injure them, that it's okay to hit them and be unkind to them, then you're teaching them inadvertently that it's okay to take your frustration out on horses. And this is what I learned. And honestly, undoing this has been so hard. It has been one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life because it's something that has been so ingrained that it has even like kind of like resulted in like my lack of patience for other things outside of the horse world like I for a while would just want instant gratification and I'd be super frustrated and upset and I would be trashing myself like self-deprecating lashing out at other people and just having a really hard time dealing with like any sort of adversity um, that challenged me be it at school or in a different sport that I was trying to learn or with the horses and it ruined my ability to kind of sit with discomfort and handle high pressure, stressful or frustrating occurrences without completely losing my mind or wanting to have my relief from said frustration be something where you take it out physically or verbally and so on and so forth. It has been so hard to undo and even today there's still things where if I'm having an especially hard time in life where I have stressors outside of the horse world, there's times where I have to sit back and just not work with my own horses with client horses it's different because I'm working with them and I'm further separated from them but with my own horses when my own frustration starts to bubble up it'll be that I'm upset and lashing out at completely different things outside of what the horse is doing but I'll have to take a step back because even still I can feel the emotions bubbling inside of me when it gets bad like that. And I can feel that my old habits are coming to surface again and I have to take a step back and be like, okay, no, like I need to come at this a different way. And even in situations where your frustration does get the better of you, it doesn't mean you have to be someone like Amber Cobb that beats the shit out of your horse like she did. But even if you smack your horse in a situation where you know it's unfair, there's a huge difference from the type of person who will do something like that, stop and be like, I lost my patience, that's on me, that was unfair to my horse, it didn't serve the horse well in training, it didn't teach them anything, it's not going to help fix the problem that frustrated me in the first place. There's a huge difference between someone with the with the ability to look insightfully at themselves and their behavior and realize where it's coming from and someone who will just immediately blame the horse and justify it based off of like, oh, they'll be dangerous if I don't put them in their place. And the ironic thing is a lot of the people who perpetuate that mindset have never tried any other way. And I say that as someone who used to buy into that bullshit thinking um, because I was coming from a place where I lacked tools in my toolbox, where I lacked education on equine behavior. And because I was lacking in those in those places, I was seeking for someone to blame without realizing it. And I would have been the first person to say, never blame the horse, always blame the rider. And a lot of people will say that, but then their behavior doesn't reflect that. Because if you're never blaming the horse and you're always blaming yourself, then realistically, there's not really any reason to use punishment frequently in training at all. Um, because punishment by default is blaming the horse for their behavior. When if we're always blaming ourselves, we should say, okay, what steps did I miss to cause this behavior happening? Is the horse uncomfortable? Are they scared? Are they stressed? Are they frustrated? Is there aggression because they're frustrated or confused with what I'm doing? Or is it a physical issue? That's how you don't blame the horse. But we have this weird 
kind of cult-like mindset where all of us will be like, never blame the horse. It's never the horse's fault. But then the behavior doesn't reflect that because if it was never the horse's fault, we wouldn't be so quick to hit them. We wouldn't be so quick to try to show them who's boss and scare them or push them and pressure them into doing things without trying to look further into their behavior. We wouldn't be so quick to use training gadgets or harsh bits to try to muscle them into behaving in a certain way or into being easier and more able, like able to be bullied by us, basically. So anyways, like, it's just an ironic way of thinking. And I know some people that listen to my podcast or follow my pages probably still don't completely agree with me. But if you even if you still want to use punishment in your training, and even if you don't think it's wholly bad, um, I implore you to consider the hypocrisy of saying to never blame the horse while still using punishment as a predominant form in your training. And I'm not going to be that person who says that it's unacceptable to ever use punishment ever because I'm a realist. And to be quite honest, if I'm about to get, if I have the choice to either make a barrier with like a whip or to push a horse away with my hand or to try to snap the whip in their direction to get them to divert from running me over. If it's the choice between doing that or potentially getting run over, I'm going to do that um, for my own safety. But the difference is in a situation like that, you're not using it repeatedly as a purpose of training. You're using it in a situation where your safety is at risk and you need to increase space to get the horse away from you. And so you can handle the situation in a safer way. So what I mean by this is if you're going to use punishment, I would view this as most similar to referencing any type of herd tendency for the horse. So anyone who's going to use the herd dynamic as a reason to beat their horse, listen up. The only way that makes sense is that horses use that as a distance increasing behavior. They use it after all other warnings have been ignored. So if I'm about to die or get shoved against a wall or get run over or attacked by a horse, that is when I will use distance increasing behaviors like asking a horse to move away by increasing pressure by waving a whip in their direction forcefully or waving my hands and yelling or even if I have to elbow their shoulder to get them out of the way from running me over because like I said I work with horses on the racetrack and when I'm on the racetrack I'm very limited in what I can do with them especially when you're handling them on the ground at the actual track when I'm bringing horses home off the track and I have to take them out of a stall after being fed up on tons and tons of grain I oftentimes have to put a chain over their nose or a lift chain them even if that's something that I never regularly use in my training program at home because I don't agree with it because I think it's a band-aid fix because I think it's using punishment and discomfort to control the horse which I don't think is fair or productive because long term it screws you over and makes you less safe training wise because you have a horse that is not dealing with any of their emotions or any of their shortcomings in training and is instead being bullied and muscled through all of that by force and through pain and it makes a more dangerous horse so I don't agree with doing that but if I'm taking a horse who is like literally walking on its hind legs and is high as a kite and I don't have any chemical form of restraints which would be sedation and drugs I will use a physical restraint like a lip chain or a nose chain to keep myself safe and yes is it is it not nice to the horse in that moment absolutely it's not comfortable it's not in their best interest physically from a comfort standpoint or a mental standpoint 
for their well-being. However, as me as a 120 pound person versus a thousand pound animal that I am just trying to get onto my trailer so that I can help them at home and change their environment and their diet in the way they need to be able to function in a way that makes them easier to train and happier and more receptive to training without being reactive and trying to do all of these excitable behaviors to release the energy that they could not in a stall. I need to get them on my trailer. I need to get them home safely. I don't want them getting loose and getting out onto a highway or running around on concrete in all their shoes and potentially falling down and hurting themselves. So I do what I have to do to get them home so that I can start the real training. But in that moment, am I training them? Absolutely fucking not. No, I'm not training a horse when I have a lift chain on them. I am forcing them to deal with a procedure or to do something that I need them to do for safety's sake. And then in a different moment when we aren't in such a high intensity, high adrenaline, high anxiety moment where I have a better ability to train them, then that's a training situation. But a situation where you're potentially in danger and where you have no tools and where the horse is way too full of adrenaline and stress to be able to think correctly, that's not a training situation. So the key is, Get the horse immediately out of the high-stress situation that is making them behave in that way and making them so unpredictable that you cannot handle them without using a physical restraint. Get them out of that situation, change the environment, change the diet, change their living arrangements to be the most species-specific to lower their level of stress so that the next time you take the horse out, you're starting at a way lower degree of stress. Change their environment first and foremost, set up a training situation, and then that's where the training begins. And of course, even in, in situations where the horse has an environment that is provided for them where they are safe, they get turned out, they get socialization, they're not getting fed tons of starches and sugars, and they're not riddled with ulcers. Even in cases like that, there's chances where you can take your horse out and you could have done a lot of steps to prepare them to be a good horse and to handle new situations well. But sometimes you can't control how much stuff happens at once and how many triggers stack at once. And sometimes triggers can stack so quickly that you cannot get the horse out of that situation in time before you get a big reaction. And this is where I would say, guys, if you're going to use any form of physical restraint or any way of like muscling a horse around in a horse's life, I think you should save it for the emergencies. So if you have your horse out and you take them to a, a, their second or third show, they've already gone out to a few shows and they've handled themselves well, they haven't been out of control, but then all of a sudden, uh, let's say one of the judge's tents blows over in the wind and comes and freaking comes right past your horse and they blow a gasket. That would be a situation where if you had a nose chain or a rope halter in your trailer, I would say for stuff like that, that's where it's like a safety thing where it's okay, like I might need this to get the horse back on the trailer safely or to deal with an emergent situation where they could be behaving very erratically and strongly and potentially getting away in a situation where they could hurt themselves. But again, that is not a training situation. Um, so basically like what I'm trying to say here is I'm not like anti the use of certain things for safety purposes. Like I understand and I can sympathize with people in situations where they don't have any other options because I've been one of those people, um, in the situation where you don't want to sink to that level and you don't want to resort to that level, but in order to help the horse the best you can, you just have to get them out of the immediate situation and make it as safe as possible for yourself. So you survive the situation. So you can help the horse at a later date 
I can sympathize with that. And it's even, like, I'm going to use Harlow as an example here. Like, I have no ill will to the Gallup riders that rode her in an elevator bit, even if I think it was a terrible idea. Because if they thought they were going to get run off with, and if she was so stressed that she was behaving dangerously, and they just wanted to do what they needed to do for their immediate safety in that moment, they don't get any say about saying, hey, you should turn the horse out, or hey, like, maybe this horse should go home and go work on flat work and learn how to go correctly first they have no say yes they could say they can't get on the horse but that's also easier said than done because if you need the money and you don't want to lose their job I can understand it so for their immediate safety while I don't think it was a choice made in the best interest of the horse I can understand why someone would want to have that piece of equipment on the horse if they feel like they have no other options um so I, I'm, I'm just bringing this up for people that are very much anti that type of thing and will readily judge someone who uses any of those types of equipment and assume they're a terrible horse person because I want to give you perspective because there's a lot of people who absolutely do not like the use of restraints like the nose chain or harsh bits and so on and so forth and it's definitely not their first go-to but there are situations where people feel utterly helpless and where they have no tools in their toolbox and they literally don't know what to do and they're like at their wits end um and that's where i think it's important to have these conversations where you're not just vilifying and shaming people for the use of equipment in any sense and where you can recognize like hey like there's a huge difference between a training situation and a situation where you need to just keep yourself safe and that's how we should try to change this discussion is that it's not to say like hey you're a terrible person if you've ever punished your horse but it should say that punishment shouldn't be something you're repeatedly using in training situations because it's not good training and that's not even up for debate because good training isn't being like like put laying down the gavel and giving the horse no other options and not looking into the whys behind a behavior because the entire point of being a trainer is modifying behavior if you're not looking into the whys behind a certain behavior and why it might exist then you're not training you're being lazy and you're just trying to make it easier for yourself to force the horse to do what you want um without having to really put work in and i'm saying this again like i'm not saying calling it lazy to insult people because i used to be lazy i'm criticizing myself in every aspect of this because i have very much done and seen stuff that has been terrible and like it was so normalized to me that like like it's like literally just like you don't even consider it until people open your eyes up to it and point out how fucked up it is because if you grow up having it so normalized and so laid out in front of you but all like it's not even just my trainers clinicians other trainers that it would have lessened with trainers that shows that i'd see my role models in the olympics and so on and so forth it is that normalized like you can find someone at any level of sport at the top levels that will do really shitty forms of punishment and will lay into their horse unfairly and be overly physical for no reason when it serves absolutely no purpose when their safety isn't at risk and it's mostly just because they've lost their temper and they're going off on the horse because the horse might have scared or frustrated them and then they react and take it out on the horse because that's what we are generally indoctrinated into doing at a lot of lesson barns like it is rampant it is so hard to find barns that don't 
encourage this type of behavior like even boarding stables the reason why i need to make my business successful enough to buy my own farm is because i don't want other people handling my horses unless i have the ability to screen them first because i don't trust it because they do stupid shit and they hit them for things or they discipline behaviors where the horse is just afraid and needs someone to be a little bit more considerate of their emotions and what they're going through and to stop for a minute and just give them a second to look at whatever is scaring them before rushing them forward or before shanking the shit out of their face and so on and so forth and it'll even be things where people will try to micromanage horses like for example if you have a horse that is in a new place or is learning new things in training and they're not standing still perfectly some trainers will try to micromanage the horse and make them stand and start disciplining any behavior of walking forward and back and so on and so forth and then if you're constantly like disciplining a horse for any step they make and you're just wanting them to stand still when they're not in the headspace to do so, then you're just creating a nervous horse that you're micromanaging. And that's the other thing is a lot of trainers will micromanage behaviors and they'll want the horse to fix all of their problem behaviors all in one go when it's not at all fair. Like you got to pick a battle, like not not actually a battle literally, but you got to pick what you're going to work on and not like basically nitpick the horse until they feel like they can't do anything right like they need to have the correct answer you need to lead them to the correct answer so that they're not constantly wrong because if they're constantly wrong then they're stressed and you want to lead them to the right answer so that can't be done by micromanaging or nitpicking the crap out of your horses so basically like in short, like, I just wanted to talk about this because I saw the outrage surrounding the Amber Cobb video, and, like, the video is terrible, like, I don't, like, I would very, very much not like anyone who would try to justify that level of abuse because it's just so unacceptable, like, the horse is tied up, they can't, they can't get away, not that it would be acceptable to ever hit a horse with a pitchfork, but, like, when they're tied and they're restrained and they can't get away for you, you're literally just, like, being a cruel abuser like a torturer like it's like if someone tied you down and started hitting you and like was like oh like you're being terrible you can't get away and then they expect you when they untie you and want to catch you next time to want to come over to them and like hang out with them and want to learn from them no the horse shouldn't have to either but the reason why I wanted to bring up that video is because of the fact that most people would have a problem with it but the entire culture that enabled that woman to do what she did with multiple horses. It definitely wasn't just that one. That was just the one that got caught on video. But the culture that enables that mindset is condoned by the vast majority of horse people. And it's time that we start to kind of reconsider the way we think of things and what we what we're willing to justify and condone. Because honestly, like there's there's so many situations where I've seen people say that like this horse can't do this they'll never be quiet enough to do this they'll always need to do this oh that's just the way he is you've never handled a racehorse you don't know what they're like when they're this fit they need this they need that and like I used to believe it and now that I've gotten all these people's horses where they've insisted they couldn't do these things it has been become very clear to me that 99.9 percent .9 of the time it is a training issue or a management issue or both usually both in some way if the horse can't cope because I've had so many horses that honestly people would have viewed as write-offs as horses. Harlow could have gone in a million different directions and turned out terribly in a lot of different directions because she was not fun to be around and she was mean initially. 
I couldn't even run a brush down her neck without her trying to take a chunk out of my side. And obviously, for like health reasons, she did need to get groomed. But that's why instead of hitting her for biting me, we started to recondition the behavior. I treated her for ulcers. And then I would reward her for letting me touch her with the brush. And it started off really slow at first. And I would just touch her like once and then give her a treat immediately and reward her for staying facing forward. And then as her ulcers resolved and she realized that I wasn't just going to keep forcing her to stand there as I scrub at her without her consent she started to enjoy grooming and now she likes being scratched she'll come over for being scratched and if she doesn't like it when I scratch her in a certain area you want to know what I do I don't scratch her there because if I'm scratching her for her enjoyment why am I going to be a selfish prick that just goes oh well that's rude you're you're being abusive to me by pinning your ears and letting me know you don't like what I'm doing so I'm just going to keep doing it and then when you fire out at me inevitably I'm going to hit you like it's stupid let your horses tell you where they like to be touched and obviously like they need to be groomed in certain areas and even if they don't like something there's situations where they might need to deal with a certain level of discomfort for their own well-being but if you're constantly forcing your horse to exist with absolutely no consent and just forcing them to stand there and let you scrub at them and touch them or like basically just potentially be causing them discomfort and pain or just not listening to what they're telling you and then when they do tell you they get in trouble if you're doing stuff like that you can't really expect your horse to behave in situations of high stress where you really need to get something done whereas if you're mindful of like what they like and what they don't like and where they want to be touched and where they don't and you take their warnings into consideration and actually give them some level of consent when it comes to being handled and touched then you'll find that even in situations where they absolutely don't like something they will be willing to tolerate it. For example, today when I was removing bot flies off of Banksy with the bot knife, I accidentally cut his skin and it made him bleed it wasn't deep it was a tiny little surface scratch but he didn't like it and he kind of moved away from it but he still let me remove his bot flies because we've developed this relationship where he will tell me when he likes or doesn't like something and generally speaking I respect it or we find a way to make it more bearable for him to handle something he does not like um, and I felt really bad when I realized that it had cut him because I noticed the blood after because it was such a small fine cut that you only saw it like after it came up and was underneath the hair and I felt bad and I was like oh darn that's why he moved away and he was telling me something and he didn't do it in a mean way. He didn't bite at me, he didn't pin his ears, he didn't lift a leg to kick or anything. He just took a step over. And if it was a situation where he'd gotten super used to just me ignoring all of his warnings, that's a situation where he could have reacted heavily and then fired out at me without warning or struck out or bolted or kicked and so on and so forth. And it would be a situation where someone would go, wow, he did that out of nowhere, but it wouldn't be out of nowhere. It's a, it's a response you've conditioned by disciplining every other warning they gave you before that. You conditioned the out of nowhere response by never listening to your horse. And that's true. Sorry, not sorry. I've done it to my horses before. Before, and I'm sure all of you have too listening to this if you've ever been brought up by any type of traditional trainer you have conditioned a response where they respond without warning because you've ignored all of the other triggers stacking or you've punished them for telling you how they're feeling and that is the mindset that creates evils like Amber Cobb and enables them and that is the mindset that 
makes it so prevalent in our horse community because honestly it's harder to find someone at the upper levels that has good management and good training practices and is like kind to their horses than it is to find someone who either has a problem with either training or management or both because it's really uncommon to hear about upper level equestrians that actually turn their horses out socially in groups let alone turn them out at all um and that shouldn't even be a discussion like that's just like don't get an animal if you're not going to provide it with species specific care um we have people who have horses that they will stall a lot that are ride or die rallying for like hamsters at pet stores to have size appropriate cages and be taken care of species appropriate and they'll justify stuff towards their horse that doesn't fit that so there's just a lot of hypocrisy and just kind of cognitive dissonance surrounding the care and treatment and training of horses because people will justify things that they'll do to their horses that they absolutely under no circumstances would condone when it's another animal um and i've seen it repeatedly and it's just i think that people need to consider like the worst case scenario types people that you see in the horse community like the people where you go and you definitively label them as an abuser the reason why those types of people are able to exist and have some level of success and be an active member of the community are because of what we condone and normalize on a mass scale and yeah like if someone was doing something like Amber Cobb did at a show out in public and people saw it, I'm sure a lot of people would have a problem with it, would report it. But it shouldn't take that level of abuse to be reported. I haven't taught us so, that. So, like, with Amber Cobb, if you saw her at a show, like, a lot of people would report it. But the problem is, like, it shouldn't take that level of abuse to be reported. And then the other thing is there's lesser forms of abuse that occur at shows in public all of the time. And they will not get reported to stewards or if they do the stewards don't take it seriously enough if it's someone who has a big name in the community and there's also just certain forms of abuse that can occur right in the in the middle of a warm-up ring and you can have even lots of people in the warm-up ring who will look at it and go that is stupid and unfair to the horse but if you were to complain it's so normalized that people would be like are you serious like why are you like you're such a softy you tree hugger but that's the way it is like even if you've even if you've had a trainer that's not super punishment based and has not normalized the idea of hitting your horse for misbehavior um we're not really taught the subtle signals of stress or discomfort or pain in horses it's not something that's taught to riders when they're starting out when it should be because honestly for their own safety it's something that you should be able to do if you can read the subtle signals of stress and pain it can keep you from having a big blow up happen and it can save lives for both horses and humans it can make everything so much safer but we're not we're not normalized like it's not normalized to take the horse's communication into account that much we will the more the more obvious signals like blatantly pinned back ears or lifting a leg and threatening to kick and so on and so forth people know those ones but they very much commonly miss out on the more subtle signs of behavior that horses give us and this results in them missing warnings that their horse gives them that they're uncomfortable with something or that they're in pain or that they're nervous and then when the horse reacts and it takes the human by surprise they're more likely to punish the horse for it or to blame the horse for the behavior because to them it seemed like it was out of nowhere but to the horse they had been showing signs of their stress for a long time before that and even people that are like really sensitive and like aware of their horse's behavior can miss signs because it can like they're they're prey animals so they're not going to be super obvious with their signs and even people who 
are considerate and aware of their horses emotions can still make mistakes but the fact that like riders are getting into this community and not being taught equine behavior accurately is a huge problem and then that all feeds into the mindset that enables the abuse that occurs on such a large scale in the horse community like i would argue personally that out of like all domesticated animals horses experience some of the most abuse out of all of them and it is the most condoned out of all of them because like you can I've seen people beat horses till their skin is broken and they're bleeding or they'll spur them to that point and they'll walk out of the show ring at a show and you can report it to the steward and nothing gets done you'll see people drugging the shit out of horses so that their five-year-old students can ride them in a show and it's like are you serious do you not understand that the repeated use of sedatives probably isn't good for your horse or even over babying them with like antibiotics for example i'm not going to name names but i know of a very successful barn that uses antibiotics willy-nilly and somehow has large quantities of drugs being prescribed to them that they're giving to the horses without a care and it's like they've never heard of antibiotic resistance but the point i'm making is it'll be framed as for the horse's best interest even with sedatives they'll be like oh this is just to take the edge off so he's a little bit more comfortable in competition and antibiotics will be like oh this is just to help them recover sooner from this tiny surface scratch that they should be able to heal on their own they'll use the horse's excuse but really it's so that they can mask lameness have a rider ride a horse that they're over horse by or ride a horse in a show that is not ready to be there um, or cannot be managed by the rider effectively so that they can learn in an environment that they are stressed in. And all of these things will be framed as being in the best interest of the horse, but they are not. They're not in the best interest of the horse. And I'll, honestly, like a lot of the stuff that is done on a mass scale isn't honestly in the best interest of the horse. Like riding and showing them in general, it's not necessarily to the detriment of the horse if you do it right, but it's not in their best interest in that the horse doesn't come out of the womb going like, oh yeah, like I want to be a meter 20 jumper. Like Basie could not give less of a fuck if I ever jumped him. He doesn't care. Um, does he care if I come and groom him and hang out with him and if he gets rewarded for doing tasks and does he find that interesting? Absolutely. Does it matter what the task really is? No. Does he feel like he's missing out if he's not going to become a show horse? No, he doesn't know what a show is. He's a horse. Um, is the showing and producing him for that mostly for me? Absolutely. It is for me. That's what I am interested in doing with him. But it doesn't need to be at his detriment. So that doesn't make it a bad thing to do. But I would be lying if I was like, oh, yeah, like this is for his best interest. He needs to be a show horse. He has desires to be at the top of the sport. No, he doesn't care. He's a horse. Horses don't even know the concept of showing or winning and riders think that they do. But at most, the horse will just feel your mood and your emotions. So if you've won something and you're super happy with them and you're praising the shit out of them and rewarding them, they'll start to feel what that means, how your body language changes. So for the jump off, for example, they can start to recognize, hey, this is where I get to go fast. And when I finish this, my rider is very happy with me. And they might seem excited and proud of themselves, but it's not because they have a concept that they are winning anything. It is because of how you behave. So if your horse starts to seem to celebrate when you celebrate, it's because they're feeding off of your mood and how you've reinforced the behavior in the past. It's not because they know what's going on and because they're aware that they're winning. And the same applies with like race horses. Like at most, they just they're just know they're supposed to run they don't know if they're winning they don't know if they're a good racehorse and like 
I don't know, like, I know a lot of people in the racing community would have my head for saying that, but, like, they don't have the mental capacity to actually look at it, especially with no context, and we can't, you can't walk up to them and be like, hey, dude, like, this is a competition, and if you are in first, if you, if you run the fastest, you win, um, you can't do that, so they're never gonna have the concept of that, and they don't have the amount of, like, brain strength to actually realize what is going on and think in a way that people do and that's okay and like it doesn't mean that they're not smart animals horses are incredibly intelligent animals I think they're far more smart than 99.9% of people give them credit for and they are some of the most emotional animals you can ever work with they have the most facial expressions of any animal that is non-primate that is incredible so the fact that they have that many facial expressions and we still suck at reading them is something that we really need to work on and we need to start becoming comfortable with the idea that we have archaic mindsets and archaic ways of learning in the horse world that need to change and we need to start getting with the times because we'll become better horse people we'll be safer our horses will be safer they'll be happier they'll be healthier they'll perform better and it'll also help prevent monsters like amber cobb from being the face of racing because honestly like i know a lot of people are anti-racing and like that's fine if you are but like there's a lot of people in the in that racing industry that look at someone like There's a lot of people in racing that would look at someone like Amber Cobb. Sorry, it cut off, so that's going to be a repetitive one. Um, fun fact, I don't really edit my podcasts. I just record them in one fell swoop because I hate listening to my voice back. But anyways, there's a lot of people in racing that do not support someone like Amber Cobb, and they look at her with disgust. And obviously, like her form of abuse is very severe, so it's not going to be necessarily as condoned as like the lesser forms of abuse but she's like the face of racing right now because it went super viral and for people who aren't part of that industry interacting with the people who show the good within it they're gonna look at that and they're gonna think that everyone within the racing industry is like that and it's not fair to everyone else so in order to stop these people from that are the biggest abusers from becoming the face of the horse world and showing all the non-horse people the weird shit we do to horses we need to start changing our mindset because honestly like the entire reason why so many like animal welfare advocates are so anti-horseback riding is because of the exact behavior that we normalize in training and they would probably have a more comfortable time understanding their relationship with horses and how people actually love them and care for them if we didn't normalize the punishment of them so much and if we didn't abuse so much harsh equipment. Like, the fact that there are as many, like, training gadgets and stuff as there are on the market to force horses to do what we want them to do without factoring in their well-being that's concerning and it's something that we should really start to look at and we need to start to do it within otherwise we're going to force be forced to change from the outside and the people on the outside are going to want like a complete ban of all horse sports whereas if, if we start the change ourselves from within and start pressuring each other to better ourselves and become better horse people then we stand a chance of salvaging the horse world and changing the public perception of it because honestly between like this amber cobb thing and racing the whole bob baffert scandals that have been going on and then also all of the bad stuff that happened 
at, in the Olympics during the pen, pentathlon, um, and also like the event horse that passed away in the Olympics and show jumping and dressage. There was a lot of bad content that people don't need to be horse people to look at and go, I have a problem with this. And it's going to keep happening if we don't change our behavior because horse people have gotten so used to being so enabled um, to do things in public and to talk about these types of things without a care in the world that when other people hear it, they're like, holy shit, that is insane. Like, for example, if I were to tell like my boyfriend about what people do to horses, which I have, he's like, holy crap. And even a friend of his recently, I was having a conversation with him about horses and he was asking about like the training of them. And I was talking to him about like, yeah, some of my frustrations with this type of thing. And he was blown away to hear that like people could be hitting horses in public scenarios and have it just totally justified and normalized. And I was like, oh yeah, like you honestly get made fun of more if you're not on board with it. Like they try to like bully and shame you and abuse you into not like into being one of them and I think that the shame and the condescension with which a lot of these traditional people speak with kind of feeds into perpetuating this whole mindset because for people even if they feel in their gut that it's wrong if everyone around them is making them feel like garbage for standing in their views and they don't feel like they have as many credentials as the people that are talking down to them then they're going to start to feel like they're the problem and they're the one who is wrong and they're the one who needs to change when in reality they're actually right and a lot of people who aren't super horsey or aren't super experienced in riding they might have views that are completely incorrect and this isn't to say you should go to those people for advice on training horses or that they should be the voices of the entire horse world but what I'm saying is like without that the the bias and like indoctrination that is the normalization of violence towards horses people have a more clear perception of certain things because they haven't undergone the years of normalizing those behaviors. So while they don't know enough about horses to really like speak on what actually needs to change in the horse world in a detailed manner, I do think that a lot of people who haven't been put through the pipeline of like being around all these people that condone and justify the same behavior and make you feel ashamed of yourself if you're not on board with them they have a more clear mindset and they're also less affected by anyone who's going to call them stupid and talk down to them for their views um so yeah like basically like my concerns for the horse world are the fact that like I do really feel that at some point like a big animal welfare thing like there's going to be a lot of pressure to shut down um, competitive horse disciplines if we don't start to change because even more so than other animal sports we get away with doing a lot of insane shit to horses like I've mentioned this before in the show jumping ring the lack of bit regulations really concerns me because you can basically waltz into the arena in anything and this means that people can be going in on horses who are underprepared to be at the level they are or who are physically uncomfortable at minimum from the equipment they're wearing but also maybe because of the way they're going that necessitated the equipment in the rider's eyes it could be due to discomfort as well and that's just a band-aid on the whole problem and the horse never really gets to tr truly feel fulfilled or happy in its life because especially at the upper levels what I mentioned before with management it's very uncommon to hear about horses actually getting social turnout when they're labeled as an expensive horse so what this means is like the lives for those horses are actually quite awful and sad if you think about it because they go into the arena in, in these mechanical restraints by way of harsh bits um, and gadgets and they'll school in 
oftentimes that or worse because they get ridden in draw reins or they'll get ridden in tie downs and other stuff and then they just get to go back in a stall like their life is so unfulfilling and sad and they're dealing with most of their life being in either mental or physical discomfort or both and it's devastating like it's honestly like it really really disturbs me um and this is kind of why like I've gone down the rabbit hole in the way that I have and it's not to say like I'm not anti all traditional methods but I do think the pervasive way of thinking in the horse world and the flippant use of violence towards horses I think it's very very concerning and it's something that I've started to come to terms with myself more recently because I've started thinking about it a lot um and recently I got a bunch of my old cassette tapes changed to USBs so I have all these old videos of me writing it and I've just started going through them and I've been thinking and I was like holy crap like and seeing how small I was up on those horses at five to eight years old I was like I can't believe the fact that at this age I was being told to hit horses and discipline them and be harsh in their mouth and then even in some of the riding videos and shows I'm in a Kimberwick and I know for a fact I showed my Arab gelding in a really thin twisted wire when I was like eight or nine years old maybe ten um and yeah it's just kind of like you start reflecting more on like what you learned and what was normalized to you when you were younger and you realize like how much has changed and it's changed in a positive way which is really really good and I'm happy for that because I do think the horse world is becoming more self-aware and more science-based and we're starting to normalize learning theory and other practices like species specific care and being more aware of management and stuff and I think all that's great but we're still so far behind a lot of other animal industries because like horses are one of the only animals that you see positive reinforcement being so thoroughly rejected with um and obviously there's people that train dogs and stuff that are anti-positive reinforcement um but it's not to the same extent positive reinforcement is far more normalized in the dog industry than it is in the horse industry and it's not generally something that people are going to shame you for using in the same way if you have a dog um because it's kind of normalized like the vast majority of pet owners who get a dog are going to just by default start using positive reinforcement at least for something um with horses it's not something I even learned to use like I was never formally ever taught to use positive reinforcement when I started looking into how to teach my Arab gelding tricks when I was younger that's when I first started using it um because I was using it to train him how to do a trick behavior and I started just organically using it for other things in training after that especially with Milo but I was never taught to use it as a method of training it was always pressure and release or punishment and I want to clarify that I'm not anti-pressure and release I think that it can be a really good form of training but as someone who has had all this time to reflect on how I learned and what I know now I do strongly feel that pressure and release is a lot harder to apply accurately because a lot of riders when they're learning their feel isn't great and they don't release the pressure at the right time to actually have it like be heard by the horse and learned by the horse in an effective way so it often results in a lot of confusion with the horse and then, then that's where you get like conflict behaviors where the horse might start doing things that the rider doesn't like which they'll then get punished for or get a certain gadget put on for to try to stop or it just won't be understood for what it is um and so like 
that's why I think that we need to change and like kind of reform our way of thinking of training and handling horses because first of all if we adapt management and have horses living happier healthier lives they'll come out of their turnouts happier and even if they're stalled if you start doing half walled stalls and making it so they can at least groom each other over the stall wall and see each other even if they're not getting out full-time it betters their well-being significantly so if we're bringing them out and they're already in a better headspace by the time they get out then you're going to have an easier time handling them and it'll be safer by default and then on top of that if you start teaching new riders how to read the subtle signs of behavior and how to use positive reinforcement first it's a really great way to teach good timing because they'll un- like it, it's harder to mess up because if you mess up the timing on positive reinforcement, it's not going to have the same effect as pressure and release where the horse essentially gets punished for the correct response if it's not release- released properly. Um, so basically, if you learn how to use positive reinforcement first, it shows you how to time things. So then if you were to start using pressure and release after that or negative reinforcement, then your timing would be better. But like a new rider, especially with like the balance and everything of riding, their pressure and release timing is not is not going to be good unless they're like a prodigy. Um, it's very hard to get good timing. And even experienced riders who've been riding for years, on young horses who you're trying to teach new concepts to, their timing isn't going to be overly accurate if they've never taught the thing before. But we have a lot of people who will get green horses to train them and will train them alongside their trainer um, using traditional methods. And I think that's why gadgets and harsh bits are so sought after and so popular on the horse market because people aren't effective enough at reading behavior and using traditional forms of training to have the behavior change in the way that they want to see it. And then they have to try to manufacture it quicker using gadgets because they're not sure how to achieve the relaxation or achieve the good behavior without disciplining the bad or without doing certain things. And then the other problem with like using food and training is a lot of people will just start using it right away and they won't introduce it properly and they won't time it correctly because they haven't learned correct timing. Um, with negative reinforcement even in some cases and then they'll get horses who are pushy or they'll just use it really on and off not consistently and if the behavior doesn't immediately rectify they'll just go oh it doesn't work this doesn't work Um, it doesn't work for all horses it doesn't work for mine and then they just write it off as a method like they never thoroughly try it in the same way that a lot of people are willing to like try different bits and training gadgets like you can see one person on one horse go through like 17 different bits trying to find what their horse quote-unquote likes and usually they're trying harsh bits when this is the case or they'll kind of be gradually bidding up to get something harsher it's not to try to find something that anatomically fits the horse's mouth better so as to make them more comfortable it's usually to get the response that they want so it has nothing to do with the horse's disc this the horse's comfort level it has to do with how quickly the horse softens to them and how able they are to ride the horse and do what they want with it um so yeah you have people that are willing to try like 17 different bits and like all sorts of different training gadgets and like do all these things that are more work with like traditional methods and pressure and release but they don't put in the same amount of try when they're trying a new method like positive reinforcement because they don't want to welcome it because it has such a weird bad connotation and such a lack of respect in the horse world even though it's like the most science-backed training method ever um and it can help a lot and like I don't even train purely positive but if I'm going to use pressure and release I use non-escalating pressure and release now and my timing has gotten superb compared to what it used to be my timing with pressure and release has gotten so much better and it means that my horses are able to learn fast 
faster with less stress but the problem with escalating pressure and release where you get louder and louder if you don't get the answer is that creases increases stress and reactivity so it's not necessarily the best form of training because while some horses can handle it without appearing too upset it's not really fair in a learning situation to basically just keep shouting at an animal louder and louder until you get the response you want and then be like oh good because then they're it's confusing to them it's more confusing than just showing them what you want them to do and rewarding it um or just kind of like if you're going to use pressure and release non-escalating so non-escalating pressure and release would kind of just be like tap 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 lightly with your heels until the horse takes a step forward immediate release even if it's only one step and then you start again tap 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 takes a step forward immediate release good job if you're going to use it like that so that's the way that I like to use it now because it reduces stress but honestly like adapting my methods how I have has made my horses so much safer to handle it has made me safer I've gotten in less accidents I've been I've been falling off less um my horses are more able to do more things they haul better they're less reactive and dangerous at shows and like for people who used to follow me when I first started out on social media when I wasn't doing all this stuff I think they can speak for how much quieter my horses have gotten and how much better they go around because they did not used to look how they do now and they certainly weren't as able to do the things that I'm able to do with mine now and that's not because the horses that I had back then were more poorly behaved it's because I did a worse job with them and I think that's something that people need to consider is that in some cases maybe your horse is quirky and different in some ways that makes them more difficult but it doesn't justify using harshness on them or needing to hit them for certain things in training repeatedly and it also doesn't mean that certain methods wouldn't work on your horse better um so a horse can be quirky and have certain things that they struggle with more than other horses and so on and so forth but I think the entire notion that how difficult a horse is justifies like how much harshness they need in training I think that's a problem and I also think it's a problem for people to look at horses who are quiet and well adapted and handle things well and are soft and don't need harsh equipment and go oh that's just an easier horse because that's insulting to the person who put all the work into making the horse quiet and happy in training and it completely discredits the fact that if you're a good enough trainer you can get there without needing to muscle or bully it using equipment and harshness um just dumbing it all down to being like oh if a horse can do this but my horse can't that horse is easier than mine my horse is more horse that's not true I used to do that it's not true it's not true um you can like some horses are more difficult to train than others but to just label a horse as easier simply because they've learned how to do things that your horse doesn't seem like they're able to do that's not fair you can't label that without like giving respect to the person who trained the horse to be quiet in the first place and some horses are really quiet and easy to adapt to new environments like lila the 11 year old thoroughbred mare i have right now she's so easy introducing her to things has been easy and it's taken way less time than it with a lot of horses but if I wanted to I could have also bullied her and made her stressed if I wanted to and then also look at Harlow like a lot of people would see her now and go oh you're so lucky to have a horse like her she's so quiet and it's like she didn't used to be like that though it was the work that I put in and labeling it as oh she's just a quiet horse discredits the work that I put in and it also leads people to believe that like what you get as a horse is just the way they're gonna stay or that they'll never relax and then it makes them give up hope and think that they just have to keep dealing with these stress behaviors when there's likely a way to at least at minimum reduce their occurrence um 
But yeah, I've been blabbering on for long enough. So basically, the gist of this podcast is just that I think that all of us need to take a hard look at how normalized violence towards horses is in horse training and in the culture of the whole horse community. And whether or not you feel that you personally contribute to said violence doesn't matter because the culture is what enables the forms of abuse that we see blowing up on news headlines and going viral so that everyone else outside of the horse community sees them too Um, and those people wouldn't be as empowered to behave how they do if we didn't condone large amounts of violence or like even the tiny amount like small violences day to day like using punishment and training repeatedly to handle behaviors rather than questioning why the behaviors themselves exist so we need to just stop normalizing the violence and we need to kind of consider the application of science-based learning theory more and also normalize the teaching of subtleties of equine behavior and also just the fact Uh, facts surrounding how horses think and learn because there's a lot of incorrect information that is being sent around on a wide scale and there's realistically like nothing to stop people who aren't qualified to train and spew bs because if you can if you can make a horse be impressive in the show ring it doesn't matter how they got there people will start to respect you simply because you're winning ribbons and it doesn't matter if everything you're spewing has no merit scientifically and if you're saying a lot of wrong things about how horses think and what they actually need in terms of like species specific care people will respect you just because you're winning ribbons and money and you have your name in the limelight um and that's not the way it should be like there needs to be some some level of regulation board to prevent people who don't have the knowledge to train from training because even for lesson trainers like there needs to be a basic knowledge of equine behavior for like everyone because it's just so dangerous and I'm completely positive that a lot of horses who become horribly injured from accidents in training or riders too I'm positive a lot of these accidents could have been avoided with more understanding and better application of training practices and it makes me sad that we're not there yet and that there's still so much resistance to the point where people aren't even willing to like look into science-based methods or consider them or they're actually like trying to make excuses as to why they're more knowledgeable than these experts in the field that are literally like PhD scholars doing peer-reviewed studies on thousands of horses um it's just so narcissistic like I can't even imagine thinking that because you've had like a few horses in your life that you know better than like Paul McGreevy and those guys who have done like pretty much every equine study you can think of and like I can't even imagine how many horses the the people conducting these studies have actually seen and laid hands on and you honestly don't need to be a rider to learn equine behavior if you study it on a scientific basis and just sit there and watch horses you don't need to be a rider to understand them very well and a lot of the people who do study horses are riders or horse owners as well but you don't need to be a rider to be adept at reading equine behavior in fact you might actually be able to read it better in a lot of cases because you've not been taught to have the inherent bias in the rider's favor to ignore certain behaviors because it benefits you um but yeah so that's just some food for thought again I'm not saying you're a terrible person if you use traditional methods there's ways to use them correctly but just the rampant misuse of them and the rampant normalization of violence is something that's just really troubling that I think needs to be addressed and 
it's hard to address because oftentimes when you do you get bullied which is why I like my podcast because it's just my voice and it can't get shared around by mean boomers on Facebook saying I don't know anything because I'm just a wee one of 25 and they've had more horse years experience than I've been alive even though I have more of an education than those guys but I mean they'll ignore that selectively if it serves them am I right guys anyways um I like the podcast because I feel like it gives me a better chance to explain myself and it also lets me use like tone and like expression and and just explain things more thoroughly so that hopefully people feel like less attacked and alarmed by this and also if they still feel attacked and alarmed then they can go bitch on it on their personal pages and I don't have to see it so that's good it's good for my mental health but anyways thank you guys for listening I hope that this um was clear and not just a rambly babbly um and I really appreciate it and like I like I've said in other podcasts like I'm still growing and learning as a trainer and horse person and I'm sure over the years I'll become aware of new information that might change the way that I feel of things Um, but that's kind of how science works I'm not closed off to continuing to adapt my training methods as I learn more and I'm actively learning and I think that's how everyone should kind of go about their life and you should take pride in learning it's not a weakness to know that you've made mistakes and the horse world and the way a lot of people train their students they lead you to believe that it is a weakness because of how pervasive our punishment culture is it even applies to riders they make you feel like you're weak if you ever make a mistake but if you can make a mistake and you can look hey i fucked up I can do better next time. Or, hey, I messed that up. How can I fix that? What, what what can I do to avoid this next time? What caused this? And they kind of start to snowball from there and just look into their mistakes and try to grow from them. Those are the people that are going to make amazing horse people because they're not going to just beat themselves, their horses, or other people up for mistakes. They're going to recognize that it's not a weakness to not always be correct, especially in something like the horse world. Like horses are complex animals. They're, I would consider them an exotic animal. They're not for everyone. You need to know a lot to be able to care for them properly and be safe around them. And it's not something you can just get into blindly without help and kind of be safe and not royally mess up. So they're like an exotic animal. They're not easy to care for. The learning curve is steep. Everyone will make mistakes, and even people who really know their stuff, they can make a mistake knowing that it's a mistake and look at it after and go, shit, like I knew better and I still did it. And no one's perfect. No one's perfect. You're not at fault for making a mistake. You're not at fault for doing the best you could with the materials you had at any point. You're not at fault for believing a trainer that you trusted that normalized practices that you saw everywhere else and believed and bought into. You're not a terrible person for falling prey to a culture that has indoctrinated you into believing certain things. You're at the mercy of who your teachers are. And mistakes that you made under them aren't something you should be ashamed of admitting and they're not something that you should hold against yourself or beat yourself up about. Just do the best you can and try to better yourself in every situation. And when you do make a mistake or if you find yourself getting frustrated, try to start teaching yourself how to wind that down so that it doesn't become a problem. If you've found that your trainers of the past have taught you to ramp up your frustration so much that you end up hurting your horses because of it or unjustly punishing them or being unclear and confusing or stressing them out if you find that that happens just be aware of the feeling when it starts to happen and be aware and just go like okay 
I'm getting frustrated. This time is time to walk. And it might not be that easy in the future. Like it might not be that easy immediately. It might take a ton of practice and that's okay. But the awareness of your mistakes and starting to be aware of your mindset and the direction in which your training and your thoughts are heading, that'll help you correct and become a better rider and trainer as a result. And I like someone's level of experience in the horse world their years of experience and like how many competitions they've won that doesn't define their knowledge of equine behavior and learning theory so I just want to clarify that for any of you who are in lesson programs this isn't me telling you to argue with your trainers because that will not go well um you're better off finding a trainer that's either willing to listen if they're super hard-headed and they're not going to listen don't bring up topics but if they're open-minded and willing to have a discussion maybe do or find a trainer that fits the mold of what you're looking for but what I'm saying is someone's level of experience and how many years they've been in the horse world doesn't define their education of learning theory and equine science and equine behavior from a scientific standpoint and that education does make someone a big a better trainer so they absolutely can be teaching you misinformation even if they have decades of horse experience under their belt and have a successful training program because like I said there's no regulations to stop people who don't have the behavior education from training. Um, and not all of them are learning at the same rate of others or admitting to their mistakes. In fact, a lot of really experienced, prominent horse people can't admit to their mistakes, and that's what makes them so much more likely to be abusive to their animals or their students. They can never be wrong. They're used to always redirecting the blame or the frustration onto another creature, so they're never going to self-reflect and address themselves. Um, and some of those people are just never going to learn because they don't want to. They don't want to read into anything that conflicts the way that they feel. And those are the types of people that you just learn to avoid because they're not looking to learn or change or they're not looking for the truth. They just want to be right um, and feel that they're right and that they're knowledgeable. So yeah, so for those of you, like, have you ever been made to feel bad by an instructor? I just want to clarify that to you that like, you can be right in your heart of hearts and you can have the correct idea about how a horse is feeling or whether or not something's fair to them even if someone with more experience and expertise on paper than you tells you that you're wrong because like I said a lot of people outside of the horse world are more adept at looking at things and going like hey like is that actually fair to the horse than horse people are because they haven't been taught to ignore it um so don't beat yourself up and don't let people bully you into like feeling that you have to like conform to what they want um just go into the science education standpoint of it that's my best recommendation even if you're taking lessons at a traditional barn look into equine sciences and read 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 and learn as much as you can from the modern equine scientists that are the best in the field and just get different views of all sorts of different things look into the equine equitation science stuff and read those books because it covers positive reinforcement and pressure and release as well as a lot of different training gadgets and stuff that are commonly used in traditional training um and you can get a different insight on that but like read as much as you can look into the science because peer-reviewed studies and the people conducting them have to have some level of expertise and they have to prove what they're meaning so they can't just like say like oh well it is because I say it is so you get a little bit more of an unbiased opinion that way and then that way it can help shape your horse view along with like the practical hands-on experience as well as what you might learn from other people in the community but that's my best recommendation for trying to get a well-rounded view that's unbiased because a lot of people will teach you completely incorrect things or encourage training methods that do not hold up as well as they claim they do 
Um, and I don't want any of you guys to feel insecure or condescended by people that are doing that because you can still be right even if they've ridden more horses than you or have more horse experience than you. If what they're saying isn't science-backed and has no merit scientifically and has been disproven in study, for example, like the what I mentioned before about punishment, if they're saying that the punishment has no negative repercussions and that it's necessary in horse training, they're wrong. And they can think they're right and that's fine, but they're not right because the people conducting the studies and researching these animals have handled way more horses than they ever have and they also have the scientific um, education to boot as well as the behavioral knowledge so don't let these people bully you or make you feel small look into science and learn 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 and if you if they tell you that I'm not saying to argue with people like that because you won't win especially if you're in their barn you can try but you might not be coming back if you do but just know in your heart of hearts where you are correct and do the best you can to better the lives of the horses that you are around. Um, so that's my best advice is like you can't, especially if you're not a horse owner and you don't handle the complete care of the horses, it can be really hard to do everything the way you want. And I totally understand and sympathize with that. So you might not always get the perfect scenario of learning how to ride or handle a horse in the way that you want. But you can do the best you can to be kind to the horse in the way you can. If a trainer is asking you to lay into the horse with the whip, you don't have to do that. Or if you do, you can just pretend. Um, but Or you can find a new trainer. But if there's something that you're completely uncomfortable with that just makes your skin crawl, you don't have to do it. Or you can just start to change the way you handle the horse on a day-to-day -day basis um, to try to make their life the best you can, at least with you. Because um, I, I, I know it's really hard. It's such a pervasive culture that it's very hard to find trainers that you might completely agree with or that won't at least somewhat buy into some of these things that I'm mentioning. Um, it can be hard to do that, but... Just try to take solace in the fact that you're doing the best you can for the animals that you're with and you're trying to make their lives better for the time that they spend for you. And I wouldn't recommend giving money to people that are overtly terribly abusive to their horses um but if they're just kind of behind the times and archaic and they're the best you can find in your area then just give the horses you handle the best life you can and just do your best and don't beat yourself up over it because it's not your fault you're doing the best you can and you want to learn how to ride and handle horses which will in turn make you a better horse person and better able to nurture and better the lives of horses in the future and you have limited options because our horse world is not quite there yet like we've not adapted with the times enough to make it easy for you to get the best case scenario you know so don't beat yourself up do the best you can and learn open books read learn different types of methods learn about the application of different types of training methods and watch the horse's response to them as you learn equine behavior and you will flourish I promise it'll at least make you able to diffuse situations that you might not have been able to do before or it'll give you more confidence in situations um, that might have been uncomfortable before there's nothing that you can go wrong with learning about equine behavior more and becoming adept at reading it and um, anyways thank you for coming to my TED talk guys and um, I really appreciate the support you give my podcast and who knows when the next one will be out. We'll see when inspiration strikes again. Thanks guys. Have a great day. And I hope that you are not beating your horses with a pitchfork like Amber Cobb. And if you are, I hope karma bitch slaps you. So have a great day, everybody, and give your horses a cookie because they deserve it. <laughs>